This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hi, Blue Wire listeners. I'm Greg Olson. I'm excited to partner with Blue Wire to bring you TE1, a podcast where I interview the tight ends who have revolutionized the position. Listen in as I have raw, in-depth conversations with the all-time greats like Shannon Sharp, Tony Gonzalez, Travis Kelsey, and George Kittle. We'll explore how the tight end position has changed over the last 60 years and what it takes to be the very best. Subscribe to TE1 from Blue Wire Studios today so you're ready for the August premiere. Hey, Steeler Nation. This is Chad Brown, and you are listening to SteelerNation.com podcast. Hello, Steeler Nation, and welcome to your SteelerNation.com podcast. I'm your host, G Stryker, and today we welcome one of our up-and-coming sports writers from right here at SteelerNation.com, Zach Herbaugh. Zach, how you doing, man? Good, man. I appreciate you having me on. I'm excited. (laughs) I'm happy to have you, man, because I know we've we've only been working together for uh, just a few months now, but I feel like and enjoy getting all of the... Uh, newest reporters back until I get to know them you know I got I like I enjoy getting to know everyone so I had Jordan on earlier and now you're you're the next of the new guys up so welcome to the show oh thanks man yeah no worries so we have some breaking news here that I wanted to talk about we know it from our thread because uh, we talk we have uh, all the reporters are on a specific thread for Steeler Nation and I want to share this with all of you while we're talking about it um of course it's not on the right one uh it's always the case but here we go. Uh, Justin Lane, it just came in. He has just tested positive, uh, or not tested positive, but he's on the COVID-19 list. So you're not allowed to say whether a, te- a player tested positive or whether they have COVID. We're not sure. All that we know is that Justin Lane is our second player now on that um, COVID list. So what are your reactions at least for, you know, how this list is working and, how do you feel as a fan seeing players go on this list, Zach? Yeah, it's definitely kind of uh, frustrating, but I guess I would much rather have them be on the list right now as opposed to in season. Yeah. Um, I've been keeping up a lot with the MLB and NHL and NBA just to see how it's working. And honestly, the bubble thing has been working a lot better, it seems, in the NHL and NBA as opposed to uh, Major League Baseball. So it kind of puts me on edge that the NFL is not going into a bubble, but um, they've still got some time to work out. I'm confident it'll get – all situated before the season kicks off. Yeah, and uh, basically what means when you're on the COVID list, I know you have to be on there for at least three weeks or close to three weeks, and then you'll be allowed back on the team. Um, of course, Justin just joined uh, Aaron Springs, who Brandon Wallace just reported earlier this week. He was the defensive back that we got from the XFL. So now there are two Steeler players officially on the reserve COVID-19 list. <clears throat> And moving forward, C.J. Lester also has a, had a nice article for all of us, which is actually some good news entering training camp. And that is 
the Steelers signed all of their members of the 2020 draft class. So everybody's in, everybody's ready for camp, everybody's been taking their tests. So what does that mean to you to have all the newest players all ready for camp? Yeah, it's definitely a weight off our shoulders. The last thing you wanted to hold out going into an offseason like this. So having everybody ready to go, um, excited for the draft class. I know we didn't have a first round pick, but you know, with the guys that we were able to get at the position, we were able to get them excited. Yep. And then we had another article out from uh, uh, Jordan DeFigio, like we were talking about before. And she stated that we just picked up a new tight end, Dax Raymond from the Chicago Bears. Now, Zach, one of the interesting things about this one for me was the Chicago Bears had 10 tight ends on their roster, which is just insane. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so essentially we got their 10th best tight end, I guess. <laughs> is it better than our third or fourth best tight end? I don't know, but evidently the Steelers liked him enough, uh, had enough uh, scouting information on the guy that they brought him in. Yeah, and in a shortened offseason, um, especially when you're, you know, you'd, I think you'd rather have a couple of veterans on the roster who have seen some live action before, as opposed to maybe trying to get a guy um, coming out of college, doesn't have any NFL experience. So hopefully he can come in, compete with Ebron and Vance and Gentry and make an impact. Yeah, yeah, he was, you have to play a game. Last year, I think he was on the practice squad for the Bears. Um, he was drafted out of Utah State, six foot five, two fifty five. So he's a big guy. He's the size guy, at least the Steelers like to have. Ran a four seventy three forty. So there are some of his stats. Had some decent stats coming out. I mean, for his full career, seventy two receptions, eight hundred and seventy three yards, and three touchdowns. As you know, with the Steelers, though, anytime they're picking up a tight end, they're definitely picking up a guy that can block. So this is probably. You know, definitely a guy that's going to be in there competing with uh, Zach Gentry, uh, with um, uh, Kevin Rader as well. Uh, obviously, Steelers just lost um, uh, Christian Scotland Williams, who was a guy I loved. I mean, I, I absolutely like six foot nine guy that used to play rugby, athletic as hell. They were just trying to teach him how to block so he could get on the field. And uh, I, the the way that he left the game to me felt a little cryptic, like maybe he was deciding to stay at home in the UK as opposed to coming to the U S during COVID-19. So that may have been a factor with him not reporting this year and the Steelers cutting him. So it'll be interesting to see though. I mean, obviously he's done now, but we'll have to see how Dax can uh, fit in this lineup. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And um, moving on, we also had some really, really sad news. Unfortunately, uh, Steelers, um, learned that their uh, offensive guard, uh, Carlton Hasselrig, uh, passed away. And uh, I wanted to at least bring up what um, – oh, wrong one. And, of course, got to stop sharing on that one. See, this is what I have to do. As I'm working, I'm also running the switcher. I'm doing everything. So. Doing everything. So I'm one. It's kind of like my old radio days when you're, like, running the buffers. You bring it up all <laughs> your like, commercials and doing that, but it's all audio. It's much easier for that. I'm just trying to pick up right. the videos I'm doing it. So now that I have the correct screen open, let's try sharing this one. So um, Brandon Wallace also uh, had a nice little article remembering Carlton Hasselrig. If you guys um, don't remember him, I kind of grew up with Carlton Hasselrig, late 80s, early 90s. Huge, huge, enormous um, offensive guard. Now, the interesting thing about him was he never played a down of football in college. He was a college wrestler and a championship wrestler. 
and a championship wrestler that won six college championships. Now, this is back when, when, you, when a Division II or a Division III winner won their division for wrestling in their weight class. They were automatically given a berth into the NCAA Division Ones to be able to compete on the Division One level, and that's what he did. He won. He won the second um, Div Two and Div Three. I I'm sorry, Div Two and Div One uh, for three years. So that's a huge, huge accomplishment. I think since they've changed the rules, so you're not allowed to get moved up, which I think is unfortunate because when you have a talented guy like this. It got him known. It, people got to know who he was. He was such a, a great athletic guy that he ended up getting a, a training uh, signed to the Steelers and into training camp there and ended up making a spot and becoming a Pro Bowl guard. So quite a journey. Yeah, absolutely. I always see the Steelers. You know, it's something that um, with the organization from the beginning of time, they've always found these hole-in-the-wall players to come in and make a big impact. Maybe not the highest recruited or the most prestigious coming out of college, but – this just speaks, you know, volumes to what the organization continually does year after year. And he's enormous. I mean, you can see right here in the picture, he's as wide as he is tall. And that's one of the things <laughs> I always remembered about the guy. He just engulfed blockers, kind of like when he was wrestling people, he just engulfed everybody he was with in that uh, unlimited class or the heavyweight class for wrestling. Um, so, you know, it was really sad to hear that he died at the age of 54. They said it was natural, natural causes. So, uh, we wish his family the best, and obviously, you know, our hearts go out, Steel Nation, for losing one of their own and a, and a great player and, and one that I remembered fondly. Well said. So now that we've got you on the, on the cast as well, one of the big reasons to have you here is because we wanted to talk about uh, all of this controversy between you and uh, Hunter Homestek, who I usually have on these podcasts, and uh, – He's a huge Antonio Brown guy. I mean, I'm obviously a, a Heinz Ward guy. Now, you growing up, when, when did you start watching the Steelers, Zach? Um, I probably – I was born in 95, so right around the 2000 decade I wow. started watching. So yeah. that was uh, right at the beginning of Heinz Ward's career. But, yeah. you know, I got it for pretty much the full time of his career. I've been watching the Steelers <laughs> and beyond, so – so yeah, but you're so you wrote an article that we talked about on the podcast. It was the top ten wide receivers of all time for the Steelers, and it generated a lot of buzz on Twitter. Obviously, Hunter was really upset about not necessarily that because he's a big Antonio Brown guy. He's not necessarily upset that Antonio Brown wasn't the number one, though it would be Hunter's number one. I mean, I thought you had the number one right on the head. I think honestly, I'm with you there. Heinz Ward, number one receiver all time, has all the stats to prove it. You know, most catches, most receptions, most touchdowns, Super Bowl MVP. I mean, the guy, the, the hardest hitting uh, <laughs> receiver ever. Yeah. <laughs> so, so to me, that was just like such so, – so I understand that. But Hunter really got triggered because not only was Antonio Brown not the number one for your list, but he wasn't even in the top three. So you had the other two Hall of Famers, and then you had Antonio Brown as his number four. So I want you to at least defend your side and talk about Antonio Brown first and, um, you know, why he is a number four as opposed to a top three player. Yeah, so uh, basically for me what it came down to at the end was, um, you know, all these things are so variable. What I think as a top receiver and what someone else thinks as a top receiver can vary – but when it came down to it for me, I just looked at legacy. I looked at 
know, what did they do on the field to help the Steelers win championships? Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, Antonio Brown never was on a Super Bowl winning team with the Steelers, yeah. although, you know, they made multiple runs into the playoffs, whether it be, they you know, defense was 2010 team, but obviously they didn't win that one. Right, right. Yeah. So whether it be, you know, obviously Hines played with the Steelers defense in the 2000s. That was just unbelievable. Um, I think we're, we're starting to get a defense that's replicating that a little bit more right now. But um, I know, obviously, the defense wasn't what it was in the 2000s when Antonio was on the team. Yeah. But just to make a, a you know, a long-winded answer short, I just – I looked at stats and then I looked at uh, what did they do on the field? Yeah. Did, did, were the Steelers successful when they were on the field? Um, obviously, Lynn Swan and John Stallworth each won four Super Bowls. Yeah. You know, in the 70s during that dynasty. Both are Hall of Famers. Heinz yeah. Ward, two-time Super Bowl winner. We already talked about that. And I think he's, you know, due up to be in Canton sometime yeah. soon. Hopefully, uh, you know, within the next couple of years. I know that there's a log jam right now for receivers. Uh, right now the groundswell isn't there to make him a finalist. But I'm with you. I, I honestly believe that – you know, Heinz Ward will get his, his fair shake as well. So, but I think we have to get to the point where there's a little bit of lobbying for Heinz Ward's case for people to have to remember what kind of overall football player this guy was. I mean, not just a strict receiver. He was an excellent special teams player. That's how he made the team in the first place. And, but his blocking was un, unworldly. I mean, he was... He changed the game as a wide receiver because not only did they have to change the rules for the crackback block on interception returns, uh, punt returns, and blocking people, blocking downfield for his teammates to get into the end zone. I think he broke the jaw of that, uh, of Rivers, that old um, linebacker on the Cincinnati Mm -hmm. Bengals. Um, That was a big way he changed the game. And for me, the other way that he changed the game was – opposing players usually when they talk about the toughness of another team they're usually talking about defensive players and what they can do our biggest rival baltimore ravens always chirping about anton or always chirping about heinz ward saying you know dirtiest player in the game you know (laughs) they're always speaking out about him because they had to have their head on a swivel because he's He's decleating Hall of Famers. He's knocking Ray Lewis on his butt. He's completely decleating Ed Reed and Sharp, Sharper. And um, the guy was just so great to have there on the field, not just as a receiver, but as a blocker. And also for something the linebackers actually had to worry about a guy. Usually linebackers are, you know, they're like, oh, I can't wait to hit this guy. I'm going to knock him out when he comes across the middle. And then they get knocked out. <laughs> right there's one of as I say it. <laughs> so that's why, you know, I loved growing up watching him. I'm, I'm with you. I'm a receiver guy. He's my all-time favorite receiver to watch, too. Though, you know, I, to, to speak back a little bit for Antonio Brown and his legacy as well, you know, there was nobody as talented as a receiver, I think, that I've ever seen put on the black and gold than Antonio Brown. And I imagine that, you know, if he was able to maintain his contract, maintain his mental stability, I mean, we might be discussing him being you know, a Hall of Famer this year as opposed to him being out of football for a year. So that was, you know, one of the most 
the craziest things that happened was obviously the way that he forced a trade or he forced a cut for us to get rid of him because Tomlin was finally trying to punish him, made him sit a game, a meaningless game at the end of the season, and he couldn't take it. It affected his stats, and he's like, I'm never playing for you guys again. Turns out he never played for the Raiders, who we traded him to, and then he ended up only played for one game with the uh, Patriots before he ended up getting cut from there as well. So I imagine his off-field issues and the way he left the Steelers also had to factor into your, um, your top ten list, correct? No, absolutely, yeah. Um, I tried to keep, obviously, my animosity about Antonio Brown out of uh, what I was going, my rankings. But at the same time, it's hard to ignore what he did to the team. You know, he wasn't the best teammate in the world. He wasn't the best, um, you know, besides when he was getting the ball, was he doing what Heinz Ward was doing? Was he helping getting other players open? Was he making great blocks, opening up running lanes? You know, those kind of things that help a team win. And obviously, Heinz won two Super Bowl championships. Um, those small things that he did, he elevated other guys on the on the field, other receivers on the field. He wasn't always the number one, um, and he was happy with that. And you know, Antonio, the one time that Juju started to step up, it just seemed like that was his that was the end of him here in Pittsburgh, which was unfortunate. Yeah, that's a great point, and it, I think it's the first time in six years that he wasn't number one in receptions and and receiving yardage, and that was, you know, even though he led the league in touchdowns that year, which is a huge feat, still had over 100 catches, still had over, you know, right around 1,200 yards receiving. So you'd think that you'd be happy with that because you got a guy now on the other side of the field that, I mean, Juju had an insane year that year, and obviously Mm -hmm. it was a benefit for having Antonio Brown taking a lot of this, the, um, uh, the coverage. But moving forward to show, hey, look, you can't cover Antonio Brown like that and expect to win because Juju's winning on the other side. So then you had to pick your poison thing. So that's the only thing that was unfortunate to me that they weren't able to play for a few more years and really develop a rapport. Unfortunately, it seemed like he really lost it when the Steelers decided to name Juju the offensive MVP right before their last game of the season. That's when he seemed to snap. So, you know, to me, it's a little bit immature. Uh, Obviously, you know, there's no way to think that, you know, the Steelers wouldn't be where they were without Antonio Brown that season or any season. Uh, It just became something I think that internally that he felt that he was disrespected because he wasn't seen as being a better player than Juju Smith, or he wasn't seen as being the team MVP over Juju Smith-Schuster. Right, yeah. I mean, it's, um, it's unfortunate the way it turned out. As I said, I did a follow-up article just kind of debating Hines and A.B. And as I said multiple times, you know, he had one of the greatest six-year runs for a wide receiver I think we'll ever see in NFL history. Yeah. Um, all pro four times out of six years. Made it to the Pro Bowl each time. But at the end of the day, you know, what, what is his legacy going to be in Pittsburgh? And, you know, when I look at Hines Ward and John Stallworth and Lynn Swan, you know, I see three of the best receivers ever to play football. And Antonio Brown is – up there is one of the best to ever play but yeah. you know when we look back at him in 10 to 15 10 to 15 years from now what's his legacy ultimately going to be and I don't think he will be viewed as the best receiver ever to play for the yeah. Steelers yeah unfortunately and I'm I, I, I agree with you I think you hit, hit the nail on the head there um want to give a shout out quick to our people here at Steeler Nation watching us on our Steeler Nation uh YouTube channel and that is Rodolfo um uh, Gigantana, he's he's saying what's up, and he wants to know about the Minka jersey. I know that we we have a, a Minka jersey 
on our Twitter and Instagram uh, and also on our webpage as well at SteelerNation.com. You're supposed to jump on and um, follow Steeler Nation is also Total Sports Entertainment to be able to have a chance to win the Minka jersey. We don't know who won the jersey yet. I think that the uh, our partners at Total Sports Entertainment will tweet it out today. Um, and if it hasn't come out already, it, it will come out very soon because today is Wednesday, and Wednesday is always the day we end up picking those uh, picking those jerseys. So, so it, it's it's exciting. And thank you very much to Steeler Nation. I mean, respond. This is what we're here for. This is why we vidcast live as we're doing the podcast we obviously put the podcast up later so you can sit home and enjoy it at your leisure listen to it when you're working or driving that's always the 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 way that people are working out you know however people enjoy listening to podcasts but now this is more fun to get some direct integration and thanks for you know at least letting us know what you're thinking so we can answer questions in real time sports are coming back and so are your chances to bet on your favorite sports teams and events Major League Baseball is finally kicking off this week, and there's no better place to start wagering than our extensive partners, Bet Online. Check out all the odds, futures, and props to bet on, all available 24-7. And with the return of sports, Bet Online sat down with former pro players Eddie George, Harold Reynolds, and seven-time NBA champ Robert Ory. See what they had to say on what it'll be like playing without fans in a series they're calling Fandemic. Visit betonline.ag for all your odds and up-to-date sports news. Remember to use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. Have you ever heard of DealDash.com? It's the best, most honest bidding site where you can win things you'd never expect at a price you'd never believe. They have over a thousand auctions every day on electronics, appliances, beauty products, home decor, and even cars. Here's how it works. It's like an auction, but every item starts at zero dollars and goes up one cent every time you bid. The kicker is the auction clock restarts after just 10 seconds. That means every time you bid, everyone else has 10 seconds to answer or the item is yours. If you go ahead and buy now, DealDash is offering our listeners an extra 100 free bids upon signup, on top of their other discounts. Go to DealDash.com and use the offer code SNP for Steeler Nation Podcast, or DealDash.fm backslash SNP. That's D-E-A-L-D-A-S-H dot F-M backslash S-N-P. DealDash, where you can bid to win. Now that we've discussed your articles and stuff, now I want to get into training camp and get into a little bit more specific, Zach. And um, so training camp just started uh, yesterday. And what I mean by training camp starting, uh, the NFL uh, and the NFLPA agreed that, like, when you first get to training camp, as opposed to, like, the first day was, like, orientation day. You kind of got there, put your stuff away, and then the next day you're out on the field. This time, first day you show up, you're actually getting a test. You can't step into the building yet. You get a COVID-19 test, and then you have to be away from the building for three days. So this is why we got our first report of Justin Lane going on the COVID list. Obviously, something is up, so he's placed on the COVID reserve list. And after these uh, three days, as I think on Friday, um, if everything is clean, they get another test. And then if that's clean, the next day they're playing football. So it looks like Saturday – would be the earliest that they're at least going to start working out together, having meetings, um, you know, getting able to hit the weight room together, maybe doing some drills. But 
we're actually not going to see real football and pads yet until about mid-August. So that is when the, the way that the NFLPA and the NFL have agreed to it, they're not going to hit pads until we hit halfway through August. So with no preseason games on the schedule, we're really not going to see a whole lot because obviously fans aren't allowed at training camp. Training camp's not even in uh, Latrobe this year. It happens to be right there at Heinz Field. So what are your thoughts at least on training camp and how the Steelers are at least trying to get it off the ground this year and the NFL in general? Yeah, so it's – it's um, we touched on it a little bit earlier, but it's definitely a little weird this year. Yeah. Um, I've never been to Latrobe, but I've always followed. Um, you know, what they, they go out there and you can listen to Steelers Nation. Um, they do podcasts pretty much all day long, and I always listen to their takes on everything. Yeah. But it's definitely going to be different. You know, Latrobe is very – a very um, historic thing for the Steelers and for yeah. them to not be there for the first time since I think it was at least 50 plus years um, they've been going to Latrobe. So uh, I'm confident the Steelers organization is going to do fine. Um, I'm a little worried for the rookies and the undrafted guys trying to prove themselves and make the team, but you know, everybody's dealing with the same situation. So just make the best, best of it. And the Steelers typically always do. Yeah. And to get at least to go in depth into the agreement. So all of Steeler nation gets to know about this. Um, so the agreement that the NFL and NFLPA made is number one, we already discussed no preseason games. They are all canceled. Um, testing starts on the 28th. It should last for three days. After that players can start working out and practicing in the facility. So now there's going, and then moving forward, there's going to be, instead of a 10 man practice squad, there's going to be a 16 man practice squad. Um, also now there is an opt-out clause. I know one of our buddies, uh, Drink Iron City over at Steeler Nation, uh, we were discussing on the forum site and he wanted to know about what the opt-out clauses mean and how they work. And for this, a player can opt out one of two ways. One, they can just say, look, I'm just don't feel comfortable. I'm not going to play. There's no issues with them personally, but the NFL says, Hey, if you don't want to play, it's fine. We're not going to force you to play. You get $150,000 stipend for the year. Your contract is on hold for a year. It's called the, 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 it's called your contract is tolling for a year. And that means that you don't accrue any more years. If you had another year left on, on your contract, or if you were going to become a free agent at the end of this year, you're going to now become a free agent at the end of next year. They essentially take that contract and they push it to next year. So that's what it, at least it makes it to work out for anybody that just wants to opt out. And then there's a high risk category of also people that can walk, that can opt out. And those are generally players that have some kind of physical condition that would exacerbate a problem if they get COVID-19. So if players have asthma, uh, I know one of the players just opted out uh, in the league that uh, recovered from cancer because there were concerns that going through the chemotherapy process actually weakens your immune system and can make you more susceptible to the disease. And I know Steeler Nation was also discussing that a little bit yesterday. We were shooting back and forth. Is, uh, you know, Connor uh, going to be another one of those that opt out because he took chemo, but he said, no, I'm in the best shape of my life. There's, there's no way I'm doing that. And so James, you know, at least we know Connor's going to be playing this year, at least as long as we've got games. So he's not opting out. And then you've got, Three weeks now of strength and conditioning drills. Mid-August, like we said, starts the padded practice. And then financially, how this works out is the salary cap stays at $198.2 this year, which is where it's been. 
there was some talk about trying to decrease it this year, but the NFLPA is like, no, we have the contracts. But moving forward for next year, it looks like the cap's going to go down, but at least the league and the Players Association have agreed to the, the maximum it can drop is the salary cap will drop to $175 million at the lowest that it could possibly be. With incentives, if this thing gets off the ground, if they have a good season, it could be above that. If the season gets canceled, they know at least it's going to be $175 million next year. So one of the things that I've been thinking out loud, and I, I haven't written an article on this yet, but I'll at least put it out there on the airwaves and, uh, and, and use you as a soundboard too, Zach, is we understood that yesterday we got a lot of – we heard of some players were starting to opt out. Now, an interesting thing that happened was there was a high percentage of New England Patriots players that started to opt out. So, you know, there's one of two things that, I, that I'm just, you know, coming up with my own brain because that's what I do. I think about weird things all the time. And one of the things is obviously they're going to be drafting a quarterback next year. They have less of their good players playing. They're probably going to lose more games. Not having Brady, that's a big thing too. It's a huge, big quarterback draft class, and they're lucky they didn't lose their first-round draft pick for cheating for stealing signals, but I digress. That's <laughs> off my point. Going back on my point, the second point is if your contract tolls for this season, technically they don't pay that player's contract. So now if they have you know, $10 million that they were going to give to player X – and that player says, Hightower, we'll take advantage because that seems like Hightower looks like he's going to opt out. And that's a perfect example. So he says, I'm not going to play. Now that means they are $10 million under the cap where they were because now they don't have to account for Hightower's contract this season, only his stipend. So now they've got a difference that they can apply forward to next year if they have a big cap space. So if they end up being – 20, 30 million under the cap, they can roll it over to next year. They automatically have a ton of money and they can pretty much sign whoever they want and do whatever they want. So always leave it up to New England to try to do something, you know, not against the rules, but to, to kind of utilize the rules to the best of their ability to get the biggest advantage that they can. And to, to me, that sounds like it could be a big advantage. I mean, am I just like making stuff up here, Zach, or or what are your thoughts on this? No, I, I think anything you have that has to do with the Patriots, you have to be skeptical about. Um, having some of their top defensive players, I know Chung and Hightower so far were the two defense players that I saw that were out. And then I think Brandon Bolden and possibly their fullback Vitaly is out. I know yeah. Bolden's more of like a third down guy for them, but he, he did do a little bit last year. Um, the main thing that popped out to me was – Maybe these six people just needed a break from Belichick. I know he runs a pretty <laughs> tight, tight ship over there. So maybe they were like, I'll just take my hundred dollars to $350,000 and take a break and come back next year and hope for the best. But no, I, I think it's uh, awesome that the NFL is allowing players to do this. Um, obviously, you don't want to put anybody in a position where they feel like they're risking their health. Um, I don't foresee I, – I think the deadline for opt-out is August 3rd if yes. I'm correct. Um, so yeah. I'm hoping no Steelers players. I haven't heard anything, any mentions of Steelers players who are thinking about opting out. But um, the more that want to opt out for the Patriots, the merrier. I'm, I'm happy to, for them to have less players, less starters, and, even though we don't play them this year. But. <laughs> and also they don't have Brady anymore, obviously, too. That, that also, you know, I, I might be just making this up. I mean, maybe Hightower in the defense and, and Chung, and they know they like, hey, we don't have Brady this year. We're not going to be any good. 
I don't want to risk my life and risk my family. You know, like I'll just sit this year out. We'll see where the COVID stuff happens. Hopefully we'll have a vaccine come back next year. But <laughs> going back to the point, maybe needing a break from Belichick. I mean, now we can talk, start talking about their old tight end, Gronk, <laughs> taking a year yeah. off of football and now <laughs> coming back as a 95 rating on Madden and going down to Tampa Bay to join his buddy Brady. So <laughs> I think you might have a point there, Zach. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, and another thing, another thing that I'm really happy about having you on the podcast, too, is, you know, since we're all writers, I get to go more in-depth into your articles that you wrote for SteelerNation.com and get to hear, like, kind of like your reasonings behind things and talk about it a little bit more in-depth, too, so that our listeners can kind of hear your thoughts because you've got some great commentary up there on the site. And one of the sites that – or one of the articles that you put up, um, you did an article on betting on the NFL Comeback Player of the Year. So can you walk us through what that article was to you, what players you think are in that conversation, and how you came to choosing those players? Yeah, so it, it was actually a great segue talking about Rob Gronkowski, who I think is the second-best odds right now. Um, for me, sports betting's always been interesting to me. I, I usually do it on a weekly basis for the NFL – um, and then what I talked about was propositional bets. So they're a bet that you place at the beginning of the season um, that will or will not cash out at the end of the season. So you have to wait a while to find out if you're going to win. But the main reason I did come back player of the year is because I was pretty passionate that Ben Roethlisberger stands the best chance to win it. And as of right now, he does have the best odds. Mm-hmm. So um, I think he was plus 350. It might have gone up a little bit because I think Cam Newton, since he signed with the Patriots, has a better has pretty high odds as well. Um, but the two players that I thought were possibly the best bets were not only Ben Roethlisberger, but Matthew Stafford. I think he was plus 850, meaning if you bet $100, you would win 850. Um, he's, he was having a really good season last year before he got injured. Uh, the Lions look like they've upgraded their offense a little bit, drafting a running back in the second round. I think they got DeAndre Swift. Hopefully they can finally get a good run game to balance out their pass game. But um, those two guys, if, if I were to, if, when I do put my money down for my long-term bets, are going to be the two guys I'll be betting on. I, and I hear your money hitting the table already. You're ready to bet right now. <laughs> <laughs> I am, yeah. That's great. Also, you did an article, too, about talking about one of the most underrated players on the Steeler defense, obviously being uh, Nelson. It was a beautiful article. So tell Steeler Nation on your thoughts of, uh, on Nelson, his statistics, and, and what his game is essentially that makes the Steelers defense so dangerous. Yeah, I, I think it goes back to the signing last season. So we obviously know the Steelers don't really make a lot of big splash free agency signings. So when they signed Steven Nelson to that pretty big contract last year, um, I was, you know, I always, my relationship with the Steelers is just to trust them, trust what they do, trust the front office. It's worked for a long time. So when I saw the big contract they handed out to him, I thought, you know, possibly this guy can be a cornerstone um, for our defense for a long time to come. And it seems like it's going to be that way. I know he was – he, he was uh, not viewed as the most or the best player in the world when playing with the Chiefs. I think it had to do a lot with his schematics. He was targeted, I think, the most in the NFL in 2018. Wow. Um, and then he came over to Pittsburgh, and he's just done nothing but produce since he's gotten here. Um, when you look at the top cornerbacks in the NFL, you never see Steven Nelson in the conversation when you look at the national media. Yeah. But I think within my article, I compared him to uh, Marcus Peters, Stephon Gilmore, and uh, Marlon Humphrey, who were three all-pro players last year. And if you look at his stats without putting a name to the stats, Steven Nelson easily could have been 
an all-pro um, defensive back last year. Uh, so I was just passionate about getting words or getting his name out there, letting others know how great this guy is. Um, he's a very quiet guy. You don't really see him showboating when he makes a big play, uh, which is something that I really appreciate. Um, and he's on a defense with a ton of great players. So his name doesn't really get mentioned, like I said, with the national media. So just given, given our platform, given the opportunity to really talk about a guy who is going to be making big plays for the Steelers for multiple years to come. And, it was really interesting, too, that the point – I mean, it seemed like it was one of those normal under-the-radar pickups. Like, I wouldn't say under-the-radar because the Steelers did pay a lot for him. Usually when Steelers pick up a cornerback, they're usually picking up one of those guys right around the 3 to $5 million range who right. may or may not help out the team, might be a slot guy. You know, it, it, Steelers haven't had a whole lot of – you know, success picking up those kind of guys. So they decided to spend a little bit more, 8 million range, bringing in Nelson. Fortunately, he, he got to get away from uh, the Chiefs defense where he was kind of like, it seemed like he was unfairly the person to blame for being a problem on that defense when they just couldn't stop plays. And even though he was a very successful cornerback, uh, which is why the Steelers re reached out and grabbed him. But obviously it looks like he's fitting in our system a lot better. He has another guy on the other side of him um, in, uh, sorry, in Joe Hayden, who is just a, a phenomenal number two to have to take the pressure off of him as well, because now they can kind of balance out and to, to defend and match up against receivers, how they see fit. Uh, but still, I mean, he did have that great, that great uh, safety and Barry on Kansas City, but now he's got Minka Fitzpatrick. He didn't know he'd have Minka joining last season. He ended up <laughs> no, getting no. Minka, so that ended up being like a huge boon. But it was just one of those things. It seems like um, Kevin Colbert is, has been a little bit more aggressive lately in free agency, especially since we as Steeler fans understand that the Super Bowl window is starting to close. Ben's at the end of his career. Um, you know, we, we know he's got a lot less years ahead of him than he does behind him, maybe a few more good ones. But if we can give him as much talent as we can, I mean, it seems right now they, they're talented all over the ball. They've got great receivers, talented ball control receivers, bringing in Eric Ebron as well at tight end, bringing in all this talent at running back as well, especially with – I really love that draft pick too with McFarlane coming in mm -hmm. and his – ability to be a bell cow as well as being a, a, a guy that can just blow the doors off with his top end speed that we haven't had since uh willie parker but it just seems that everything is starting to come together talent wise both offensively and defensively this season and uh is there anything specifically that you see as well for the improvement of this team you know i i always say we're one of the few teams that truly does build through the draft so when I look at a pick that we make in the third or fourth round, I think uh, the biggest one that I saw this year was Kevin Dotson, um, a guy who might not necessarily make an impact this year, but he's someone who will turn into a Chooksacore for or a BJ Finney or yeah. someone who's just going to get a couple years to learn the system, learn how to play in the NFL, and then come in and make a significant impact. So, um, yeah, understandable that the window's closing, but I always say confident. I try to take it a season at a time with the Steelers yeah. um, and just hope that you know, our draft picks that we make and those, those middle-round draft picks end up panning out for the next five to ten years down the road. Yeah, and uh, now we're at the point of the podcast where we start taking questions from Steeler Nation. 
Thank you very much. Drink Iron City, he provided some good questions for us this week. Um, he wanted us to know at least, can you guys rehash the penalty for the Patriots filming of the Bungles and more specific on how the Bungles protected and guaranteed action due of the original tape? And unfortunately, we don't have details on exactly what was seen and what was ruled on. The only thing that we know at least through what I've read up on articles and researching when this thing happened in the first place was they were caught filming the Bengals sideline while they were in the booth, I think. And when they were confronted, they ended up using the exact same excuses that Matt Walsh said they were going to use back at the first time they did um, the Spygate. When that first hit, you know, we're talking about, back in the 2000s now, 2007 or so. And um, it's always just say, oh, I, I didn't mean to do that. We'll just delete it. Or you can take the tape. It's, it's like, no, nope, no, nope, we're, we're, we're taking everything. Give it to us. And we're going to inform the league. Um, crazy thing, though, being that they end up getting penalized less for a second infraction than they did the first time, which still just boggles my mind. I just don't understand it. <laughs> Yeah, like like we said with the Patriots, you always have to be skeptic, skeptical about what they're doing. Um, yeah, they're a great organization in terms of winning, but are they the most? Um, are they are they going to do things the right way most of the time? Probably not. Yeah. And then we've covered a, a couple more of his questions, but Drink Iron City's last question is: uh, the Mahomes contract is uniquely set up to be cap friendly with guaranteed mechanisms. Do you see this as the type of contract catching on as there is some protection for the team versus quality of play? What are your thoughts on that, Zach? I think that contract's very unique in the fact that uh, giving a guy that much money for that long of a period of time, I don't think we're going to see many contracts like that in the future. You're definitely not going to give that type of contract to a, to a skill player outside of a quarterback, and you're very rarely going to give that to a, uh, a defensive player. Just based on injury risk associated with other positions besides quarterback, um, I think it's going to be interesting to see what they're going to do with Lamar Jackson. Um, he's probably going to be next. And then I think Deshaun Watson and Dak Prescott. So do I think I'll see another contract like that for a while? Probably not. Uh, I think Mahomes is, a, is, is the exception to the rule. But I, um, I think they've got a great guy. And, you know, I wish, a, I wish as a Steelers fan, we were sitting in that situation right now. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> but, it, but at least you hit the nail on the head, too, because – this is now the gold standard for young quarterback contracts. I mean, obviously Mahomes is the best quarterback in the league. He just won a Super Bowl. He just won a Super Bowl MVP. Did it all under the age of 25. I mean, that's phenomenal. Lock him up. Um, I think that every other quarterback now, like you mentioned, with Watson, with uh, Jackson, with Prescott, they now see that as, I should be getting about this too. You know, this is the number that's – because anytime league comes out and sets the bar, next man up wants to hit that bar. And I think it may create some really turbulent negotiations for these young quarterbacks when their contracts come up and they're trying to get, you know, a long-term contract that looks out for their interests, where I thought it would be, you know, one of these four-year contracts that might be paying them $40 million a year – Nope, 10 years. <laughs> Half a <Yeah>. billion. Half a billion. <laughs> Absolutely crazy numbers. But I mean, more power to him. I mean, like I said, I, I, I can't say that that isn't 
earned. Uh, you know, it definitely is. The, the only thing that I don't know about the way this contract works is, you know, I'm a contract guy. I, I do a lot of, um, you know, articles on, you know, teaching people how the cap works and how contracts work versus the cap. I do know at least the way contracts are set up, you cannot spread out the signing bonus over more than four years. And I think there may be in some, you can do it to five, but the signing bonus has to be within that period of time. I think it's probably four. So if somebody signs like a five-year contract, their signing bonus has to account for four years of that contract. And that's always, that's how the cap is affected. So if they got, $40 million signing bonus on a five-year contract for the first four years of that contract, they have 10 million against the cap because that 40 million would divide equally into four years. And that's how the salary cap works. <laughs> so better you than me. So yeah. So now like, that's why I'm just trying to wrap my head around half a billion dollars and see how they can stay under the cap. I mean, obviously this seems to me like it's going to be a very high salary per season contract as opposed to being a big you know payday on day one that a lot of these people get with these contracts uh with their signing bonus so th that's to me that's the only way that they could fit it under the cap within the rules that they have now because you can't spread that uh, out over 10 years that's just not the way it works i think hockey used to do that too and they're like ah you can't do that anymore hockey we gotta spread it over over a, a shorter amount of time so we don't have these strange 10-year uh, contracts pop up for these guys that have been in the league for like 12 years. But <laughs> Right. Yeah, I think it's definitely going to put a lot of pressure on them to draft well as well. Yeah. Um, they're obviously not going to be able to go out and make the big free agent splash signings that they have in the past. So um, hopefully they're – I know they have a new GM and Andy Reid. Um, they've been doing pretty well with drafting players the last couple of years. But um, I think it does put a lot of pressure on their front office here on out for the next 10 years. Awesome. And – Zach, you made it. You made it for your first podcast and vidcast with Steeler Nation. So I, I thank you so much for having us. Obviously, Steeler Nation, jump on SteelerNation.com. Read up on Zach's uh, awesome articles. I mean, he's got a great mind. He's one of our, you know, newest up-and-coming, fresh-minded reporters. And we love having new, interesting perspectives every time uh, for us all to read because we do it because we love it. And this is why we're, why we're in this game. So reach out if you want to follow Zach on Twitter. His, he is at Zach Herbaugh. That's at Z-A-C-H-H-E-R-B-A-U-G-H. -H -H. Instagram is at ZHerbaugh13. That is at Z-H-E-R-B-A-U-G-H-13. And Zach, once again, thank you so much for being on the podcast. And uh, I look forward to working with you again and having you back. It was a blast, man. Thanks. Yeah, whenever you want me back, I'll be happy to come. Sweet. <laughs> Sweet. All right, Steeler Nation. You too can get yourself a unique gift this summer lounging on the beach. Why don't you get one of the new t-shirts from SteelerNation.com gear page. We have every size and color choices. We got great, great graphics. So come on over for the unique gifts that only we have here at SteelerNation.com. We also are the best site for fast, unique Steelers content on the internet. Click the podcast button to listen to one of our many interviews or click the forum button for the best football discussion on the interweb. Subscribe to the SteelerNation.com YouTube channel to be the first to know about our live vidcasts and video uploads. You can tweet us at SteelerNation, Instagram us at SteelerNation.com, follow the SteelerNation podcast on Twitter at underscore SN podcast, or follow me, your host, Stryker, 
at SNStriker on Instagram and Twitter. Striker is spelled with a Y. Thanks again, Steeler Nation, for joining us for your SteelerNation.com podcast and vidcast here on YouTube. I'm your host, G Striker, with Zach Herball, rooting along with you as always. Go Steelers!